This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Com. Start things out here tonight. Of course, your calls are, prior, are uh, the priority, if you make them. But first, we go to the Miami Herald. And yet another story out of Florida involving prescription pills and someone possibly spending a quarter of a century in jail because of them. Hmm. Now, the last time, or one of the last times, we've talked about this actually a couple of times, the, one of the last times we talked about this issue, it was a man of, a, I believe he was a quadriplegic or a paraplegic. Either way, he was wheelchair bound, and he had some pills. They caught him with them, and now he's in jail. And I don't know if they ever let him out or what the status of his case was, but last time we checked in, he was languishing in Florida prison for 25 years. Because, I believe he's been uh, released. Right, but it was not easy, and it was probably and it was a long time. Right, and it was only and they were giving him morphine while he was there. Well, and it was only because uh, of the media attention that was brought to him. Right, is why that happened, and now it's getting ready to happen again. This story again from the Miami Her- uh, Herald: Joaquin De Cantor is on trial for trafficking and prescription drugs because he was carrying his girlfriend's bottle of hydrocodone. DeCantor talks with his lawyer uh, during his trial in court. When uh, when Joaquin DeCantor's car battery died, he says he grabbed his fiancée's pain medicine, which was in the center console, and began to walk home. But police stopped him in October of two, uh, 2007, or when they stopped him, they contend he's a trafficker in prescription drugs. If convicted of the charges, DeCantor, 37 of Miramar, could face 25 years in prison without the possibility of parole. DeCantor's trial began Wednesday with his attorney, uh, the public defender, Jorge Vieira, questioning whether people who pick up prescriptions for family members should also be likened to drug traffickers. He said, according to that theory, Grandma Jones picking up medication for Grandpa Jones is a drug trafficker, he told the jury during his opening statement. Vieira said, and I think that's a great seems like a great approach. Yeah. Uh, Vieira said DeCantor's fiance has terminal liver disease, those are her prescriptions with her name on them and with her doctor's name on them. It's not like he had a, a little baggie or something right. like that. It was in a bottle with right. her name on it. But Prosecutor Forrest Andrews pointed out that by law, drug trafficking doesn't necessarily involve bringing large quantities of illicit drugs across the border. He says, you're not going to hear about Uzis and speedboats like you see on Miami Vice. Florida law then defines... Perhaps it, it, then perhaps it doesn't quite qualify. Yeah, are you alleging this guy was a drug trafficker? Please, how could you possibly even, how could you stand up in front of a jury and make that case? It's when his you job. Know, when you know they were for his girlfriend. For prescription drugs, the amount can be as little as the contents of a single pill bottle as far as the Florida law uh, that defines drug trafficking based on the amount of drugs someone is carrying, not whether the police caught the person trying to sell the drugs. And it's the same thing... Uh, you know, with prescription drugs, it's just the amount that you have. With uh, marijuana, it can be, for instance, you could have a little bit, but if you have it divvied up into different bags, then that's drug trafficking as well. Maybe you've got three different kinds of marijuana. You like to sample the different kinds, and you only have a quarter quarter you're ounce. You're a marijuana of each. connoisseur. Yeah, you're a, you're also <laughs> a marijuana dealer if you get caught. 
And the penalties set by the legislature are the same for international drug smuggling. Miami Beach police arrested decanter on disorderly conduct charges when they say he was walking in traffic, gesturing at cars and yelling. He was carrying a half-full cup of beer before taking him to jail. <laughs> they searched him for drugs or weapons and found the prescription bottles in his pocket. Miami Beach Detective Jose... Why don't, why, why don't the, uh, the guys that uh, get caught for this crap make it easy? You know, the standing out in the middle of the road waving at cars with a half-full cup of beer, that doesn't help. Well, you know, who knows what he uh, did before that. Maybe he was so depressed at having his car battery die, he figured he'd go and buy a few beers. And... I'm not saying the guy should go to jail. I'm just saying, you know, why don't they make it easy? Yeah, well, apparently it was easy for the cops. They uh, got the guy and threw him in cuffs, and now they're probably easily going to convict him because they'll make him look like <clears throat> they'll make him look like a drug dealer. Decanter's fiance. Well, he's got the right uh, last name for it, unfortunately. <laughs> Kara Lee Hardcastle, his fiance, testified that the pills, almost a full bottle of hydrocodone and a bottle with a few tablets of diazepam, were hers. Her name is on each of the bottles. Decanter, a percussionist was carrying two others for medicines that did not violate trafficking laws. Decanter is a... Ter- so he was he was carrying uh, medicine. Some of it wasn't even didn't even qualify as possible drug trafficking. You could carry as much of it as you wanted to, apparently. And it wouldn't be a big deal. It was so, just the one particular type of medicine? It was just two, two, of his med- two of the medicines. Two of the four qualify ah. for drug trafficking. The other two, no problem. You know, it it, it seems it, it seems clear to me that uh, this guy shouldn't go to jail. I do not yeah, want this to, is ludicrous. I don't want to pay the money uh, to put him in there, and and I you know, if he wasn't out in the middle of traffic bothering people, I suspect he wouldn't be having the problem. Well, then you know that may be true, and who knows exactly what he was doing? That's what the police claim he was doing. Yeah, maybe yeah. there was someone who was rude in traffic, and he turned around, flipped him the bird. Cop saw it. Cop didn't like it. You never know what the, the I, you, whole you never story know is. absolutely, but it, like I said, they don't make it easy. We uh, continue here on this particular theme. Corrupt cop stories, real quick for you. This from StopTheDrugWar.org in Erie, Pennsylvania. An Erie police officer's theft of cocaine from the evidence locker. It's either they're taking it from the drug dealers or the evidence locker, one or the other. Oh, where else will they get it? has led to the dismissal of cocaine trafficking charges against four men. Erie County Defense Attorney uh, Brad Folk, or excuse me, District Attorney Brad Folk dropped the charges April 3rd after a police inspector testified that Lieutenant Robert Leibel had admitted stealing 28.5 grams of cocaine that was evidence in the case in November. It's not a lot of cocaine. That's an ounce of coke. Enough for a little party. Folk said the charges should be dropped because the theft broke the chain of custody of the evidence in the case, and he uh, has not been charged... Lieutenant has not been charged in the November theft, but is awaiting an April 29th preliminary hearing on charges he stole another 12 grams of cocaine on February 10th. The disappearance of the cocaine in November led to the investigation. That's the problem with the coke habit. Can't just, you know, put it steal down. one uh, yeah. you know, 28-gram hit. In Swampscott, Massachusetts, a Swampscott police officer facing federal drug charges has resigned. Officer Thomas Wren, 37, resigned Saturday, thwarting any disciplinary action by the town and leaving him entitled to resignation benefits. Oh, good. Including pay for unused vacation and personal time. Wren had been placed on leave so last month. So he's currently on vacation. He's still taking his vacation Yes, time. apparently so. He's been uh, placed on leave last month after he was arrested on federal charges that he possessed oxycodone with the intent to distribute. Wren was busted after buying 50 Percocet pills from a snitch. He subsequently admitted to providing pills to five other people, including a former Nahant cop and four young women. 
If convicted, uh, convicted, I think the young women probably had some kind of medical reason. They really need the Percocets. <laughs> he needs, uh, or he will be facing up to 20 years in prison. And finally, in Albuquerque, or in Albuquerque, a Bernalillo County Sheriff's Department narcotics officer is on paid leave. While the department investigates claims of misconduct, neither the officer's name nor the specifics of the misconduct have yet been revealed. No, they don't want to tell those things. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Now, of course, I think that drugs should be re-legalized, so none of this stuff will happen. If drugs are re-legalized, then there won't be any cocaine in the evidence locker for the cops to steal. Because they won't be able to confiscate it in the first place. In fact, if we actually re, uh, if we make it so prescription drugs are no longer prescription drugs, and they're just available to the marketplace without having to beg a doctor for permission, then they won't be dealing in those either. They, the, these uh, corrupt cops will have to find a new way to work the system. And if there's no prohibition around, then they're pretty much out of options. Well, there's always the uh, the hassling the young lady at the traffic stop. Well, what do you mean? Like trying to get her to take her clothes off? That kind of thing? Whatever it Sexual is. Sexual favors? It, 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 it happens. It does happen. 800-259-9231. Uh, Mark, you've got a story about an attorney. And apparently it's not just the cops that get a pass when it comes to crime. We, all, we talk a lot about how the cops, you know, they just get a slap on the hand if they even murder somebody. But what happens with attorneys when they get in trouble? We'll find out here in moments. 800-259-9231. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the sickle CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. They include, by the way, the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listened to the show. Just head on over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Sickle CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. Sickle knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com and do business with businesses support Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. We go to the phone calls. Jeff in Nevada, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Yeah, guys, I wanted to call in and talk about U.S.-sponsored terrorism and uh, false flag operations, and, and for those listeners that don't know what a false flag operation is, I'm sure most of them do listening to your show, but it's committing a tr- uh, atrocious act and blaming another party or nation for it. The point is to turn the public opinion against the entity and have someone fight your battles for you. The U.S. government has a well-documented history of you know engaging in such uh, you know psychopathic attacks and. Of course, the CIA's got a long track record of it, but it, the government creates a, or exploits a problem and then blames another, others for it, and the, the people react by asking the government for protection and help, and then the government offers a solution that was planned long before the crisis. And, of course, the outcome, as we saw in 9-11, was rights and liberties exchanged for the illusion of protection and help. And... Um, 
I, I truly believe that 9-11 was an inside job. It was a false flag operation based on several factors. But I think the most important that a lot of people have overlooked, guys, is the passenger list, the passenger manifest. And the, the passenger list is actually on the Internet. And the FBI stated publicly, including the director, that the alleged radical hijackers bought airline tickets in their own names using their own credit cards. But yet there's no... Uh, there's not any any Arabic name on any one of the passenger manifests. So can you guys or can any of your listeners explain why there is no hijackers on the passenger manifest? I don't know, Jeff. You know, there's always uh, there's always some interesting questions that pop up about uh, sort of unsolved cases like that. And I just I find myself nonplussed about it all. I'm just not interested That's just one question. in uh, oh, yeah. really digging through the details. I'm not interested in finding out the truth. Just as I'm not really interested in who killed John F. Kennedy, uh, you know, it may very well have been the government that was behind it, or it may have been a, an element of the government, or it might have happened the way they claimed it did. I, I don't really claim to know how it went down, but I don't really care either. What, do I, what I want to ask you, Jeff, is, you know, what if it's true? What will that change for you? Because political agenda, guys, and, and it goes back to the 93 World Trade Center attacks, and they did it for um, a political agenda, which they wanted to pass anti-terrorism legislation, and the Patriot Act was already drafted. They had all these amendments that they could never get passed before, and even Ted Gunderson, who is a former 20-year, 25-year veteran of the FBI, former Los Angeles chief agent... You didn't answer my question, Jeff. You, you didn't answer... I'm, I'm, I don't mean wait, to berate wait, 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 you I'm here. I'm your question, but let me finish. Let okay. me finish. He stated publicly that in 93, the FBI had complete control of the 93 World Trade Center attack, and they had an informant named Salam. They paid him $1 million. They, the FBI gave him real components to build a real bomb. They allowed the bomb to be planted. They had control of it. They allowed the bomb to be detonated. Why? Because they wanted anti-terrorism legislation passed, and, of course, only... Six people were killed. They couldn't get it. Then Oklahoma City bombing came. They said it was a failed sting operation. Same thing as 93 World Trade Center. Oklahoma yeah. City, they not only they not only knew Oklahoma City was going to happen, they helped it happen, and then they claimed that was a failed sting operation. And then when 9-11 happened, they said it was failed intelligence. Now, this is what I'm talking about. This is what's wrong with this country. We have criminals, treasonous, and traitors that are running our country. Okay, I'll agree with that part. But I don't need the uh, I don't need to propose uh, to propose these conspiracy theories in order to get that They're point across to my listeners. Look, hey, I know that the uh, the story on uh, the World Trade Center, the original one, is is true from what I can tell. Uh, I don't know, but you know, if there's any real hard evidence on the uh, the Oklahoma City thing. But again, to me, it's all irrelevant. You didn't answer, still don't answer my question. I want to get it get you a straight answer from me on this one, Jeff. If well, it is true, and you believe it is. What would well, that change? What would that change if, if, if it was true? Well, just Google search renegade movement, and you'll find out all you need to know. That's about your stuff. blog. Okay. That didn't answer the question, Jeff. Yeah, well, Third I mean, try. You guys, you guys try to say that a lot of my things are, are conspiracy theories. When, when I'm backed up by government documents, a lot of the things that I talk about are in the government's own documents. Fine, Jeff. Lawsuit. Let's presume it's true. What does it change? Whistleblowers. Jeff. I'll ask you one more time, and then we're going to have to let you go. Presuming you are correct, presuming the documentation is there, presuming it's an ironclad case, presuming it's true, beyond any shadow of a doubt, what will that 
change? What will that knowledge change? The knowledge will change that these criminals, these traitors, these treasonous, need to be charged through the Department of Justice (laughs) and, and brought to trial and tried before a jury. Then what will that change? So you put a couple politicians in jail and their buddies, their cronies in jail? Well, what does no, that change? Because, because because look back at history. I mean, you know, look back at what they did to Nixon, okay? And, but I guarantee you... So what do they do to Nixon? Uh, is politics any less corrupt today because they threw the book at Nixon? Or they went, at, went after Nixon? I guess they didn't throw the book at him, but they went after him? Nothing's changed as a result of that. Well, and similarly, nothing this, will change George if you... Bush, it is a known fact that George Bush has violated astronomical amount of federal laws, federal Great. statutes, so, and it, the Constitution. Right, yet, I'm with you there. That's pretty yet, obvious. And yet, all the way from... Um, Why isn't the Justice Department bringing him up on charges, Jeff? All, all the way from John Ashcroft. Well, because, well, the president is supposed to distance himself from placing anyone in the DOJ from uh, personal, um, you know, from... The answer is the system is corrupt. The answer, Jeff, is the system is effed. Alberto Gonzalez was with Bush from Texas all the way to the White House. You don't have to tell me these things. I understand. It's all buddy-buddy up there. There's no division of the government that is interested in causing trouble for another division of the government. They're all helping each other out. They're helping each other bring tyranny to America on whatever the pretenses, 9-11 or, you know, the scary terrorism or immigrants coming across the border or drug dealers or whatever their excuse is. There have been several excuses for the longest time, several excuses for them to just keep cramming this uh, big government security state nonsense down our throats and there's no way that the system is going to charge itself that the system is going to bring its own people up on charges and even if it did and Jeff thank you for the call even if it did it wouldn't fundamentally alter anything about the way Washington DC offer, operates it, it would doesn't just seem like it. it would just be symbolism oh look we're serious about rooting out corruption see we got this one guy and this other guy over here we got scooter Yeah. From time to time, they do sacrifice one of their lambs. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the archives, an entire year's worth of the show, front page of the website for your downloading convenience at freetalklive.com. Are you thinking about starting a business? Here's a word of the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that can wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents like patents, wills, trademarks, LLCs. You can use code FTL to save 10 bucks off your order. That's LegalZoom.com, code FTL. All right, so real quick, Mark, you've got a story about a lawyer who was getting in trouble for something mm-hmm. and wasn't much trouble, was it? Not or at much. least probably wasn't what we would have gotten. Uh, Toledo, What's it like to be in the club? 
A Toledo attorney received two years probation and a $300 fine for making up a story about being kidnapped at gunpoint. Uh, mm. Apparently, uh, she was. Uh, I'd like first like to apologize to law enforcement officials that were involved, all the agencies that were involved, my family and friends, and the public at large, and ask for their forgiveness for my actions. I, I guess uh, she, she was facing up to six months in jail and a thousand dollar fine. And you know, here's what I um, let me let me go on a little farther, and I'll tell you what I don't like about this. The former Toledo councilwoman was six months pregnant when she disappeared for three days in uh, December. She turned up that out, sounds familiar outside a uh, amusement park in Atlanta, telling authorities a man with a gun and two others had forced her into a van downtown Toledo. She later recanted the story. Um, so basically, basically by doing that, she set the gears of the state in motion to try to uh, to find her. Right, and that could have cost who knows how many taxpayer dollars. Right. right. Uh, this is uh, how much did these police agencies uh, spend? How many man hours? More went than three hundred bucks. More than three hundred bucks. A lot more than three hundred bucks. And uh, apparently, she's also there's there's this uh, strange thing going on with um, she's under investigation for claims that she stole more than one hundred and thirty thousand um, dollars from at least ten former clients. She submitted a wow. re- resignation as an attorney while she was uh, not charged in the theft investigation. She is scheduled to meet the Lucas County prosecutors next week. Um, she has not been charged, so that's still yet to come. Mm-hmm. But you know, I just—it's uh, it, just so so yucky. Three hundred three hundred dollar freaking fine. That's all. For Forty hours of community service. She. Got everybody up in a dither over this. Yeah, I, I recall that made national uh, headlines, didn't it? Yeah. Yep. Anyway, that's it. A little slap on the hand. I mean, mm. if you're in the, if you're in whatever, cl- if you're in the uh, the lawyers club or you're in the cops club, it seems like you get a little bit of extra protection. Don't well, she you? was she she did happen to be convicted in the same courthouse where her father serves as a judge. <laughs> <laughs> there was no favoritism going on there. Now you know. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Jacob Hornberger, the Future of Freedom Foundation, comments on Lou Dobbs. Who, by the way, is uh, some of you who are television consumers may be aware of this guy. He is a, a TV commentator, one of the talking heads, and I don't know, he's something special, I guess, to some people. But uh, to me, he's just another big mouth. Uh, in fact, he's got a a talk show now on some radio stations across the country, and you know they're parroting how t- touting how this is this is going to be a radically different talk show. Lou Dobbs is not a conservative, nor is he a Democrat. He's a what they call a populist, Mark, oh, which great. from what I can tell means that he takes positions that are popular. Yeah, that's that's what I can tell, too. <laughs> Swell, because I can tell you lots and lots of positions out there that aren't popular that are just wrong. Right. He uh, he is trying to differentiate himself from the rest of the talk radio pack by suggesting that he is a conservative or not. A, excuse me, not a conservative, but he's in the middle. That's where he's at. And that's where most Americans are, says Lou. And so he's in the middle. Does he know that uh, Bill O'Reilly's already stolen his thunder on this one? Oh, really? I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Dobbs on his TV show was commenting recently on the death of a Border Patrol agent at the hands of drug dealers along the border. The agent had used his vehicle to try to stop the Humvee that was being driven by the drug dealers. And the dealers crashed into the agent's vehicle, killing him, and then drove the Hummer back into Mexico where they escaped capture. Dobbs blamed the deaths on the drug dealers and the so-called open border policy of the U.S. government, which is apparently one of his favorite rants. What Dobbs fails to comprehend, however, is that he himself, along with other supporters of the war on drugs, are morally responsible for the death of that Border Patrol agent. That is, Dobbs and other drug war supporters cannot escape moral responsibility for the agent's death simply by pointing to the legal responsibility of the drug dealers who killed him. 
See, if the drug deal, uh, excuse me, the drug war had been ended years ago, as libertarians have long advocated, there would be no more drug gangs and no more drug lords. If those types of people survive and prosper only in black markets, not regular markets, I mean, how many people are dealing moonshine these days? Cigarettes. If drugs, well, cigarettes, it's starting to happen because they tax them ever so uh, more than they ever did in the past. In yeah. New York City, for instance, there is a black market in cigarettes because the taxes are so outrageous. You can go a couple states over and get them for much less and resell them for a decent profit there on the black market. As long as there's profits to be made by selling things that haven't, uh, you know, that the government's uh, banning or uh, or taxing heavily, there will be. If drugs were legalized, the people selling drugs would be pharmacies and other normally operating businesses. Just like they used, the pharmacies used to sell heroin. Yep. You can you can go and uh, online and find pictures of old bottles of heroin. And kids could go and buy these things. In fact, he says that uh, the people selling them uh, would be just like they were before officials made the sale and distribution of drugs illegal. By putting drug gangs and drug lords out of business immediately, the legalization of drugs would obviously cause the types of occurrences that resulted in that Border Patrol's death to immediately disappear. That is, there wouldn't be drug gangs trying to smuggle drugs into the United States because, again, there wouldn't be any more drug gangs. Given there wouldn't have been... You know, in fact... There probably wouldn't really be much of a need for drugs to come over the border. I mean, most of all of it, I think, can be done domestically. Can we grow poppies in the United States? You can, can grow we, anything in the United we, States. We can certainly grow marijuana. Can we grow cocaine? The coca plant? I, I would. I, I you think can, so. You can grow anything in the United States. Yeah. So, actually, it could be... You, you know, these conservatives are always complaining. They complained earlier this week on the show about, oh, the jobs. The outsourcing jobs. Manufacturing. Well, this could bring some of it back. Relegalize drugs. It'll at least bring a few a uh, few jobs back. I mean, drugs are a multi-billion, if not trillion-dollar industry. There's a lot of money out there. Anyway, he continues. Uh, so there wouldn't be drug gangs smuggling drugs in the United States because there wouldn't be any more drug gangs. Given there wouldn't have been any more drug gangs, there wouldn't have been the altercation that resulted in the death of the Border Patrol agent. Yet, Dobbs and his drug war cohorts just cannot let go of their beloved war. Not even when it's gone on for more than three decades with nothing but death destruction, corruption, and failure to show for it. Even worse, they cannot bring themselves to take personal responsibility for uh, responsibility for its consequences. Like liberals in the warfa- or the welfare state, they inevitably exclaim, please judge us by our good intentions, not by the actual results of our philosophy. And of course the results are that hundreds of thousands of Americans, in fact over 1.5 million Americans total, are arrested every single year for drug possession. Almost all of them, drug possession. And that means that the lives of your family members and your friends and your neighbors are being disrupted and ruined on account of this drug war in the name of the war on drugs. But yet that's no big deal to people like Dobbs. In fact, uh, Hornberger asks, why do people like Dobbs continue to favor the drug war? Well, you know, it, it's funny, but Rush Limbaugh certainly was in, is in that camp of people that... Uh, of drug users? Uh, of, of people, both. Of people that have, uh, that are for the drug war, yeah, what and a, what a funny place to be, <laughs> and uh, you know somebody who's addicted was addicted to painkillers. Um, so you know you never know once what these a junkie, people are, always a junkie. what these people are hiding, um, you know, in their own lives and how hypocritical they can be. I'm kidding about that, by the way. There are plenty of people that have actually kicked their habits, uh, but Rush, I don't know if he has or not. No one will probably ever know that one. If he's uh, still on it, he's probably really careful about it now. Yeah. Anyway, hope springs eternal in the minds of the people who favor paternalistic government programs, whether the program is the drug war, Social Security, Medicare, immigration controls, trade protectionism, or the like. Despite all the crises, messes, and perversions that such programs produce year after year, decade after decade, predictably, by the way, 
You pro- prohibit a product, it's predictable what will happen to it. We certainly predict it. Their advocates continue to hope that someday an enterprising politician or bureaucrat will finally make them succeed. But they will never succeed, at least not without a police state imposed within our country. Look at North Korea and how it sealed its borders. They'll never admit it openly, but that is effectively the model of those who wish to seal the borders of the United States. 1-800-259-9231. He says, look at the Berlin Wall. We'll continue with this and your calls as well, if you make them. 800-259-9231. This is your show. Take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. Like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, then shop with us at the store. Go to store.freetalklive.com and grab all kinds of great Free Talk Live branded merchandise like T-shirts and hoodies and hats and more. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. And yes, Julia has appeared out of nowhere. Uh, She has not been with us for the last 45 minutes, but she will be joining us for the remainder of the program. So welcome back to the show. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, We continue here with a story about Lou Dobbs and the drug war. Apparently Lou Dobbs, one of the CNN commentators, is yet another drug warrior. Uh, Apparently an unrepentant one. And Jacob Hornberger at the Future of Freedom Foundation is just asking the question, why is it that people like him continue to favor the drug war in, in, in the face of the, the volumes of evidence that the drug war is just, you know, just well, results in corruption and drug gangs and violence and all kinds of awful unintended consequences? It seems pretty darn clear to anybody that takes an objective look at it. Uh, what kind of a fantasy world do these people live in? I think that uh, well, I think it's clear what they what they're hoping to achieve, which is um, to control people's behavior. Minim- a, a world without drugs. Well, I don't think that I, that's that's what uh, certainly the the long you know they, they would hope to yeah. see that happen, but that's it's not going to happen, and, and they all know it. Do um, they know it? All the that's evidence- what I want to know. How many of them know it and just are control freaks, and how many of them actually believe that it can be achieved? Yeah. They they just need to tweak the programs just to make it work I don't the think right way. I, I don't think there's a sane person in America that believes that you can stop people from, uh, you know, someone somewhere in America from using some drug sometime. You don't think? No. Well, then Lou Dobbs would be insane by your definition, right? No. Um, here, if if what they're hoping to do is limit drug use to uh, have fewer people do it, their fear is everyone or a, a large enough percentage of people will do drugs if we make them legal if now her- if enough people do drug uh, do heroin now just think if we took the the, uh, the arduous penalties the, <laughs> um, away from having done it because there's so many people just man i wish i could do heroin <laughs> well if, <laughs> if if heroin was legal and you could just try it once tomorrow... I would not, personally. You just wouldn't even try it. I wouldn't, personally. That's just me. I mm-hmm. know a lot about heroin and the effects of heroin, and it just doesn't sound appealing to me at all. There hasn't been a drug 
that, well, you know what, yeah, I'd probably try opium. Any drug I'd ever wanted to I, try. I, I haven't yeah. come across it. I haven't come across opium. Yeah, I, I would try opium. I would not try heroin. I would never shoot up or snort heroin. So, well, and, and that, um, that, that But I would my, try that when it was illegal. My case, proves their case, though, that, uh, that, in fact, more people would try more drugs. No, because I would try them anyway. I just have never come across it. Right. But you would come across them if they were readily That's available true. in supermarkets. And, and, uh, uh, so, so it's been a success. It was, uh, they're just hoping, <laughs> hoping to to limit all the, the billions, use. all the billions and right. billions of dollars they've spent, and the, uh, the lives, penny. the lives they've ruined, have resulted in Ian and Julia not being able to try opium. But we have successfully been able to try. Uh, whoa, let's see, MDMA, LSD. Uh, marijuana. Do we really need the, the litany of all the illicit substances? <laughs> Ketamine. All I'm saying is it hasn't worked uh, for the most part. In general, it has not worked at all. I, I, I well, it's. It, it works if what you're hoping to do... And it's not cost-effective. But there you go. <laughs> it is not, absolutely not cost-effective. Um, and and that's the reason that I'm against it, too. I don't yeah. I don't see any reason to put a nonviolent person, a person who has never hurt anyone, um, in prison for, you know, doing drugs. I've, what, done, I, I've done them. They're not that god-awful. They can ruin some people's lives, no doubt about it, but... Um, you know, they, it ruins. I think the drug war is worse than than doing drugs. So. Yeah, totally. And are these people? Do they, do they claim to actually care about people? And have they honestly? Like, are you telling me Lou Dobbs has never smoked a joint in his life? Because I don't believe that for a second. I'm not telling you anything. I don't have any idea what Lou Dobbs has done with well, his life. Well, I'm willing there to bet he smoked a joint in some day. Out there that have uh, that most have Americans have never smoked a joint. My mother has never smoked a joint. She doesn't know what one, you know, she wouldn't know what one was. She said, I'm gonna, if you said, I'm going to go out on the porch and smoke a cigar, and instead you lit up a joint and she just smelled it, she no wouldn't clue. have any idea. Wow. I'm sure they exist, but I just have a feeling that all these people out there that talk about how horrible drugs are and how kids shouldn't do them, most of them have done some kind of drug in their life. Well, certainly alcohol. I mean, that would qualify, yeah. right? Right, but those don't count. Those are the legal drugs. Well, it should drugs. count. It's a drug. I've, I've, I've alters had consciousness. as bad a, um, experiences on alcohol oh, as I have with other drugs. Absolutely. I've had some terrible experiences. I think some of my worst drug experiences ever have been with alcohol. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about <laughs> that. Uh, so let me continue here, this story. We can uh, discuss in a moment. He says... Uh, he says these laws will never succeed, at least not without a police state imposed within our country, and then suggests that North Korea and the way it sealed its borders, the government people will never admit it, but that's their model. That's what they want to do in the United States. Look at the Berlin Wall. It's they'll, all they can do if they hope to stop the, um, you know, people from using drugs. They'll never admit it open. That still won't stop it, Mark. They'd have no, to really crack down inside the borders, too, for uh, hydroponic operations and grow-ups. Nothing will stop it. There's, that's absolutely true. Right. But, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm sure there are countries, like you've said before, that, the, uh, that marijuana carries the death penalty. Still I would sold imagine, there. I would imagine that there are... It's just sold a, by the most, ruth, the most ruthless criminal you can imagine. And, the, the, uh, and fewer people do it. And that's what these people hope. They hope to limit it as much as possible. In the same way that if you have a big gaping cut on your arm... Um, they do it because you, they claim to care. You, you, it's not, you, wanna, you hope to stop the bleeding, but you'll take... Uh, you know, uh, was stemming the flow. I really felt like I was being cared for while I was sitting in a jail cell at age 18 <laughs> Well, for you're the hours. enemy as far as they're concerned. They don't really care what happens to you. That's what they I thought told already me they lost. Uh, yeah, I don't believe that they care. I think that they absolutely despise drug users. I think that they despise uh, people like us and that they want to punish. There's something just inherently sick about these people. They're sociopaths. 
they uh, they want to impose their vision of society on everyone at the point of a gun. Right. They personally do not choose to use illegal drugs. Therefore, everybody that does, it has a weakness. We're evil, apparently. Yeah. It, 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 that's that part to, is to me is bizarre because you know they do use alcohol, which is I'd say ninety five percent of Americans use alcohol. Well, it's legal, Mark, so therefore it's good. Yeah. If it's illegal, it's bad. That's how simplistic these people are. Anyway, he says they'll never admit it openly, but it's effectively the Berlin Wall is effectively the model of those who wish to build a wall along our southern border. Look at Cuba and its retirement, educational, and health care systems. They'll never admit it, but that's effectively the model of those who wish that Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid in public schooling could finally be made to work. What's the alternative to socialism, interventionism in a police state? Free markets, private property, and limited government, as libertarians have long maintained, though I have no use for the limited government anymore. Echoing the words of Ronald Reagan, libertarians exclaim, tear down these walls. And now it was interesting today, I was on hold on uh, a radio station's hold system. As I was waiting to talk to a program director, I got to hear a, a snippet of the Laura, Laura Ingram show, mm. one of the, uh, the top talk hosts in America. And boy, was it boring. First, I couldn't figure out what the hell she was talking about, some just arcane political topic that wouldn't relate to most Americans if she tried to make it relate to them. Uh, But secondly, she was then asking the question of, this was the question she was asking, what would Ronald Reagan do about terrorism? They they always pander to Ronald Reagan, don't they? The you know, conservatives. It's so I, funny. I love the you know the Ronald Reagan quotes that are out there on the internet are spot on. They are golden, but unfortunately, Ronald Reagan, even as uh, the, the president, wasn't able to make his small government principles work. He didn't even try. Unfortunately, as a conservative, Dobbs cannot bring himself to embrace free markets, private property, and limited government in the areas of trade, immigration, retirement, health care, and education. But wouldn't it be nice if he, along with other conservatives and liberals, would take personal responsibility for the consequences of their beloved government programs, taking moral responsibility for the death of that Border Patrol agent who died at the hands of drug dealers and apologizing to his family would be a good place to start. But then again, if you actually did that, I love the suggestion, if Lou Dobbs actually did that, then he might have to think about that. He might have to think about the fact that that blood is on his hands. And that might make sleeping at night a little more difficult for him than it already is. I think most people aren't even confronted with the idea of legalizing drugs. And if they are confronted with it, um, like most like most people... It's pe- crazy. People don't like uh, to confront things that, you know, that are already in their, you know, status quo. That they're, they're already in their little box in their mind. Mm-hmm. Drugs are bad. Click. Um, th- that's fine. They, you know, they, they've got it all wrapped up now. But... You know they they don't want to think of other ways. Okay, I'm fine with you. Drugs are bad. Okay, we'll call them we'll call drugs bad, but it's only fair to call all drugs bad, not just uh you know all all recreational drugs bad, not just the ones that happen to be illegal. And you know you've got to confront you've got to look at these issues um in in a bunch of different ways. People are not willing to do that. Well, there's one man in Washington that is his name's Ron Paul, and that's what Dane wants to talk about in Athens. Listening on WAIS. Hello, Dane. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, um, yeah, um, I want to remind people that Ron Paul is still running for president. He is. We're going to come back to you. If you want to talk more about it, hold through the news. Uh, More with Dane and your calls as well. Monkeys and paying for sex. What's that have to do with anything? It's coming up. Hour two's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We were going to go back to Dane, but it looks like he just dropped off the line. Mm. Uh, but he wanted to remind us that Ron Paul was still in the race. Uh, that's what he had said before we went away to the news break. And, and he is. He is and, correct. You know, there, there's there's the chance that Ron Paul could uh, manage to turn this whole delegate thing into a, a, a victory or at least get some, some press out of it. And How could he do that? I, I well, think the delegates are sewn up, right? The, John McCain's got his delegates, and he can't be they can't be taken from him. Well, what if uh, all the delegates go and vote for Ron Paul instead? They're not obligated to vote for the candidate? What if they are obliged? What if they do it anyway? Civil disobedience well, amongst the delegates. Yeah. That does seem like an unlikely outcome. Mark. It does to me, <laughs> but um, I, I I I want that to happen. I just don't sure. know what you know the likelihood of it. Well, that, you know, it. John McCain could still croak at this point, and I think that would be our best bet. But in the meantime, Ron Paul does continue his campaign, which means he'll continue making appearances and continue talking about liberty and freedom, and that can only be a good thing, right? Yeah, so. and he's getting press. By the way, you're not the only one, Mark. Uh, I mentioned the other day uh, an article from LewRockwell.com. Uh, by Brian Wilson about the Ohio Libertarian Party convention that he went to and how it was just so typical and, you know, just typical libertarians and that nothing was getting done and there was just infighting and the usual kind of libertarian scene. Mm -hmm. He pointed out that uh, also in relation to that was the Ron Paul campaign and his disappointment with how the campaign was being run in that he is a uh, talk show host on a, a fairly decent station in the Toledo area. And he'd host the afternoon uh, afternoon drive show. He said that uh, Ron Paul's people never called him back. Well, like he wanted to schedule an interview and he couldn't get a call back. I, you know, I same thing with you. You don't I've get callbacks. I've complained about the, uh, the the Ron Paul campaign in the past. I think the Ron Paul the the the, the revolutionaries. The um, the, the candidate's good. The revolutionaries are great. The people that are out there, uh, you know, wanting Ron Paul to get elected. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, I, I just, I, I've never felt like the campaign itself has, um, you know, taken getting elected as seriously as, as they could have. I mean, if people are throwing me, media opportunities at you and you're not responding to that, take that would seem you to be, take an, it wouldn't be, it doesn't seem to be a hard job to deal with. I mean, Jim Babka, uh, from DC.org back when, before Downsize DC, he was in the 2000 Harry Brown campaign, the Libertarian campaign for president. Mm -hmm. He was um, Harry's press secretary, and it was his job to schedule interviews. And at that time, I was working at a rock station in Sarasota, Florida. You were also working at the same station. Yes. And I wanted to interview Harry Brown. And actually, I couldn't get the interview to be played on the air, so the whole thing was really kind of a wash, but... Even though I was pretty much a nobody uh, at that time, just basically a board operator and part-time weekender, Jim Babka scheduled an interview with me with Harry Brown, the Libertarian presidential candidate. And I had a, a nice half-hour-long conversation with Harry. Uh, I was disappointed that I couldn't air it on the, uh, the radio station. But what ended up happening was I let the campaign know about the interview, and they actually put it up on the front page of his campaign website in the month of October, right before the election. So all kinds of people got to uh, to listen to that uh, particular interview as a, as a result of that. But Jim Babka had no problem calling me back, even though I was essentially a nobody. 
And we're talking about a you know Free Talk Live, a show syndicated on 30 plus stations, and you know Brian Wilson, who's a, a very popular talk show host in Toledo, being ignored virtually. Okay, yes, they did give us Ron one time, but it took you like months to track that down. Months. It it did. Um, you know they 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 certainly weren't wanting for interviews, but I feel like you know they wanted the big big interviews and they got them. We couldn't. We can't get a call back even after the campaign's winding down. Well, um. I, <laughs> I just I feel like uh you know the, the the campaign could have been run differently. Yeah. Um you know and I just I don't know. I I think that I I still don't know if that would have made an entire difference by the way. Um I would have it's changed something. my biggest problem is um with them is how they chose to spend all that money on advertising. Uh, hey, I'm not saying it would have gotten him elected, Mark. It's just something they ignored and it's an easy thing. You get the guy a cell phone and he calls in and you talk to him on yep. the air. Anyway, 800-259-9231, monkeys and sex. It turns out, according to Time magazine, that one of humanity's oldest professions may be even older than we thought. In a recent study of macaque, is it macaque? Yes. Uh, Macaque monkeys. Those dirty, dirty little macaques. Aren't these the ones that were running rampant in uh, India? Yes. Like taking over government buildings? (laughs) Yes, these are the ones that... I uh, love these guys. They've been uh, trained uh, as thieves, too. Right, right. These are the coolest monkeys ever. <laughs> anyway, in Indonesia, researchers They're found... smart little buggers, that's that for sure. They found that male primates paid for sexual access to females, and that the going rate for such access dwindled as the number of available females went up. Well, duh. According to the paper, Payment for Sex in a Macaque Mating Market, published in the December issue of Animal Behavior, males in a group of about 50 long-tailed macaques in Indonesia traded grooming services for sex with females. Researchers who studied the oh, monkeys... It's, it's the old, uh, let me give you a massage, honey, <laughs> trick. <laughs> well, they don't actually have uh, gold or silver. Girl, girls, know, girls know that trick, by the way. They, 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 Wait, what is the trick? Give me a let me give you a massage. Ah. I let anybody give me a massage. I don't care. Well, yes. Yeah, but you won't spread your legs, right? <laughs> However, when it comes to the, uh, the significant other, um, you know, usually uh, a massage leads to something. I know. This is true. Yeah. Uh, so they traded grooming I services. <laughs> Researchers who studied the monkeys for some 20 months found that males offered their payment up front. That's what you got to do. I mean, <laughs> in the world of prostitution, you don't pay after the fact because a guy could run away. So apparently the, even the female monkeys know that. Uh, so the males would pay up front as kind of a pre-sex ritual, and it worked. After the females were groomed by male partners, female sexual activity more than doubled from an average of 1.5 times an hour to 3.5 times the study also showed that the number of minutes that males spent, and, and that means that they were having sex, from what I understand, with more than one monkey. It wasn't like the same monkey would keep coming back. They would give it up to one guy and then give it up to the next uh, more than 3.5 times an hour. Wow. Good Lord. The study showed the number of minutes that males spent grooming hinged on the number of females available at the time. The <laughs> better. <laughs> I, you know, I I hate giving massages. Just hate it. I and do really, too. And and I, that's that's not part of my mating ritual. I just I, I refuse. However, sometimes you know your your partner's neck hurts or something like sure. that. Sure. And I swear I have to look at the clock and say, all right, I'm going to do this for 15 minutes. Oh, wow, that's a long massage. That is a long massage. It's a short one when you're talking about ones you pay for. You pay, what, 60 guess, bucks for yeah. an hour massage. And uh, my wife, when when she gives one, she gives one for a very long time. She used to be a uh, massage therapist. So, you know, you you got to kind of, uh, you know, a little reciprocity here. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, the better a male's odds of getting lucky, the less nitpicking time the females received. 
Though primates have been observed trading grooming for, uh, for food sharing or infant care, this is the first time this kind of exchange has been observed between male and female primates in a sexual context, according to the lead researcher, demonstrating that the amount of time a male macaque will invest in its partner depends largely on how many options it has around. So it's basically, all right, honey, I'll give you a minute, because there's a couple other girls over there. Whereas if they weren't there, then it might be a five-minute massage. You know. That's we, economics. Even macaques understand it. Yep. We more evolved primates may be tempted to take a cynical view of these findings, but the study's author suggests a more favorable interpretation. The macaques' exchange of services simply illustrates a nifty system of cooperation that allows for successful mating. The basic premise is called biological market theory, which follows the elementary pr- uh, principles of supply versus demand. When applied to the voluntary sex life of long-tailed macaques, it means the price that one group is willing to pay for a commodity that the other group has depends on the scarcity or abundance of that commodity on the marketplace. Scientists think free, uh, female macaques may use grooming, too, to try to maintain social relationships within the group to benefit their offspring or as a way to distract or appease males from getting aggressive after a sexual encounter. In fact, when female macaques groomed males, their services decreased sexual activity in the males. So if the female macaque wants the male to stick around for the kids or whatever reason they want the male to stick around to protect them, a uh, little cuddle time, she will give him a little bit of attention. It's easy to draw parallels between monkeys mating dances and our own, but uh, the study's author warns against reading too much into primate studies like this. The paper draws no conclusions about what these observations in monkeys mean for the human world. In fact, whether and how scientists should extrapolate from primate behavior is fairly big debate, says Gummer. Certainly our bio- uh, biology underpins much of what we do, but so does our culture and environment. Uh, more coming up here. Uh, you can talk about... Monkey sex, or whatever you want to talk about, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231, the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features there included uh, the wiki, over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you. Get editing, get interactive at wiki.freetalklive.com. President Hillary Clinton. President John McCain. The North American Union. Unconstitutional uh, gun and drug laws. A national ID card. What is your trigger point? If it happens, what will you do? Free State Project knows that one size does not fit all. Participants choose what event will trigger their move to New Hampshire to join the fight for freedom. Check it out at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. You know, I've got a new tagline for the Free State Project. Okay. It's the Free State Project. We need eligible libertarian men to come take care of our women. Wait, what? Huh? Yeah, yeah, there's so many libertarian women here in New Hampshire that just need what are you eligible talking libertarian about? men to now come. Now that's dishonest. Oh, well. It's a damn good tagline. (laughs) (laughs) What libertarian women are you talking about? That's exactly the problem. Well, the ones that he's making it up. Right. He's trying to suggest that uh, (laughs) that that there's libertarian women running all over New Hampshire. Yeah. Completely topless and randy. And, you know, there's just not enough libertarian guys here to take care of them all. That's not true. But uh, what is true is that there are libertarian women that are moving here and some of them are single. 
It, there, uh, you know, I was I, that, that's how I got all started today. Is I was thinking about how many libertarian women I know that are single, and I do know quite a few. Yeah. Well, what would make sense for uh, for a libertarian guy out there that is interested in meeting a uh, nice libertarian lady? Because it it's just it's got to be nice to not have to convert, uh, you know, the women that you meet to to liberty. So if you want to make it easy, there are some wonderful libertarian ladies out here that are available. And more are coming. So if you come here now as a libertarian male and you establish yourself here in New Hampshire, then you'll be ready to, you know, with open arms. Uh, say, that's the... right, baby. Hey, I'm ladies. an early mover. That's right. Well, you know, if you're here already, then you're one of the options when they get here. Let me show you around. Exactly. Uh, in fact, uh, Free Marketeer. This is my house. I know some great. <laughs> I know some great restaurants. Uh, free Marketeer is moving up soon. She's one of our uh, Free Talk Live amplifiers. Uh, uh, you met her at the. She's very nice the convention. young lady. Uh, y- y- Attractive no, young lady. No one can dispute uh, the, I be- her beauty. That's, I believe that's for she's. Sure. I believe she's moving up alone. So I. I don't. I wouldn't propose to know that. That's, that's one example. All right. It's Agent. just one example, but I was I, I I can think of off the top of my head three or four that I just happen to know that are they're single and mm-hmm. available and and just you know the right libertarian <laughs> guy hasn't been coming along. I have to say that's three or four more than there was in uh, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Where you know you were lucky if a female even showed up at anything libertarian. So you don't you don't think the la- the tagline's that good? That was a nice idea. I think it's good for that. All right, 800-259-9231. From monkey sex to interior design. This from the Wall Street Journal. Imagine you're a state legislator and some folks asked you to pass a law making it a crime to give advice about paint colors and throw pillows without a license. And imagine they told you that the only people qualified to place large pieces of furniture in a room are those who have gotten a college degree in interior design, completed a two-year apprenticeship, and passed a national licensing exam. And, by the way, it is criminally misleading for people who practice interior design to use that term without government per- permission. It is. You, you, can't, um, <laughs> you can't say, I'm an interior designer, unless you're a member of the AIA, American Institute of Interior Designers, or whatever it is. I think it it's is. the ASID. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. ASID, that's right. You might stare at that person incredul- incredulously for a moment, then look down at your calendar and say, oh, I get it, April Fool, right? Well, wrong. These folks represent the American Society of Interior Designers, ASID, an industry group whose members have waged a 30-year, multi-million dollar lobbying campaign to legislate their competitors out of business. And those absurd restrictions on advice about paint selection, throw pillows, and furniture placement represent the actual fruits of lobbying in places like Alabama, Nevada, and Illinois, where ASID and its local affiliates have peddled their snake oil mantra that every decision an interior designer makes affects life, safety, and quality of life. (laughs) What window treatments you get. It's important for everyone's safety. Legislative analysis by half a dozen states that rebuffed ASID's attempts to cartelize interior design, including Colorado, uh, has failed to support ASID's claim that the location of your couch or the color of your bedroom walls is literally a matter of life and death. As the Department of Regulatory Agencies puts it, there is no evidence of physical or financial harm being caused to consumers by the unregulated practice of interior designers. Lacking any factual support for its sweeping public welfare claims, ASID and its supporters often resort to fear-mongering. For example, licensing proponents frequently say that the tragic fire at the MGM Grand Hotel in Vegas that killed 87 people in 1980 was a result of inappropriate fixtures and furnishings. The fire was actually caused by an electrical fault and allowed to spread by a grossly inadequate sprinkler system. 
Investigators later identified 83 different building code violations. Another favorite is the 2003 fire at the Station Nightclub in Rhode Island in which 100 people uh, perished. Again, that tragedy had nothing to do with substandard interior design services. It was caused by an illegal indoor fireworks display and the absence of a code-mandated sprinkler system. And this is a bar. I mean, what kind of uh, interior design are they going to do? <laughs> well, let's let's throw some let's spill some beer here and throw some peanuts there, and uh, let's let's crack this table. I mean, I, I think it just shows they're really reaching to to even come up with anything to back up their case. If there were any credible <laughs> any credible evidence that unregulated interior design presents a genuine risk to consumers, ASID would certainly have found it by now. They've had plenty of time, more than three decades, and resources. Uh, the dues for their 40,000 members average several hundred thousand dollars per and year. And any politician that voted for this is obviously just on the take. Probably. And, uh, and, they, and, and, and it's been passed in the majority of states. Furthermore, despite ASID's best... Well, they only mentioned a handful yeah, of states. I get, I get the impression, here. though, that um, the only thing that uh, it, it, in fact, regulates is that you cannot claim to do interior design. You, um, are, you are incorrect. Only three states regulate the practice of interior design. And one of them is Florida. Was it? Yep. Okay. Um, you no. Put, Alabama, Nevada, and Illinois. Maybe well, they do something different in Florida. I, it's my understanding. I, I did advertising, and advertising okay. for many interior design firms, and all I can tell you is that in their advertising, you could not, they could not claim to be an interior designer, and they were very sticky about um, if they were an interior designer, anybody claiming to do anything like interior design mm. that didn't have an interior design uh, certificate or whatever. Um, for instance... I had a furniture store which would help you pick out pick out your uh, you know window dressings and and things like that you know, the the curtains mm. the the other little thinner curtains the uh, big box thing that goes above uh, you know uh, all this stuff that you've got to do to a window <laughs> to make it uh, proper Purdy. <laughs> I don't even know understand this stuff but I made my money doing this so that's that's well that's that is lovely um, but <laughs> you, they didn't they didn't like the idea that stores would help you do window dressing or anything like that and the stores were like oh no this that's not interior design no no we're just helping people pick out those are interior suggestions (laughs) whatever it is so that was my experience with it is that they just simply could not claim to be interior designers unless they were maybe it's copyrighted or trademarked i don't know anyway at least 47 states where the ravages of unlicensed interior design could easily uh, easily be documented if there were any So what is really behind the ASID's relentless push for more regulation? Well, if you know anything about this show, you probably already guessed. It's protectionism, of Mm -hmm. course. We'll explain more, but also this article kind of suggests that, well, protectionism's okay for areas where lives can be at risk. But I don't know if I agree with that either. More coming up. You can take control and bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us, including the updates. Get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. How much do you spend on coffee? JustPlainJoe.com offers over 60 different flavors roasted to order. 
from a gourmet Arabica coffee beans in whole bean or ground at just $7.99 a 12-ounce package. It's roasted fresh order, justplainjoe.com. Most orders are delivered within three business days via UPS. You can buy five packages and save on shipping. That's justplainjoe.com. So apparently the American Society of Interior Designers, ASID, has been waging a 30-year multi-million dollar lobbying campaign to legislate their competitors out of business. They are trying to convince uh, state legislatures around the country to license interior designers, which means that if you don't jump through the hoops that they're requiring, uh, which include a four-year degree from an accredited interior design college, a two-year apprenticeship, and a two-day $1,000 licensing exam so irrelevant to the actual practice of interior design that many ASID members themselves have never bothered to pass it. And simply, they've gotten a waiver instead. So they want to take the requirements of the private organization and make it so that everyone who wants to claim to be an interior designer has to jump through those hoops. What about an interior decorator? (laughs) Well, I think that's just another word for interior designer. And I doubt they would let you get away with that. Well, um, you know, the I, I think that it's it's a little unfair to say legislate their competition out of existence. Um, more likely, what you know, what they're trying to do is increase market share for their members. I think is uh, probably the way to say it. Now, I think it's just as reprehensible to use the laws uh, for that purpose. Um, I don't think there should be any regulate government regulation on uh, you know who who calls themselves an interior designer and who doesn't. Um, you know, if the ASID wants to make sure that everyone's certified, they can give their little test, and they could make their test more relevant and you know better. And and then people would say, you know, I want an ASID designer. Mm-hmm. And the ASID does put uh, ads out to say you should have an ASID designer because sure they do better. So you know, I I don't really see any reason for it. Now they suggested you had suggested earlier um, that. The, the authors of the article felt like, in some cases, it's okay for regulation as it was long a as suggestion it's, made. It's, it's life-threatening, um, you, you know those kind of things. And and I've uh, I've I've noted some areas where the government does, you know, for instance, uh, to, to clean teeth, to be a uh, dental hygienist, you yeah. must be certified by the state. Okay. To cut hair, you must be certified by the state. Now. Right. How in the world? Slice an ear off or something. Yeah, how they can get away with cosmetology is beyond me. But it's just a powerful lobby, Mark. People have money and they buy the politicians and uh, they get the laws passed. What about people that uh, fix brakes on cars? How come they aren't regulated by the state? They're certified, but they're not regulated by the state, and they're not certified by the state. They're certified by ASE and other private certification organizations that are probably similar to ASID. It's just that ASE... Not that I know, I don't know for this for a fact, but AS, uh, ASE, the Automotive Certification Group, isn't out there lobbying Congress. They probably have better things to spend their money on. Now, hopefully teaching people how to fix brakes properly. Yeah, because exactly. Because brakes are extraordinarily important. Sure. And this is just an area that the, the state sh- absolutely should not be in. It's reprehensible that uh, three states have passed this. It's reprehensible that the ASID um, wants to you know use the uh, the force of government to... You know, exclude other people. But they're not the only one. In fact, uh, there's an interesting statistic coming up here shortly. In vetoing interior design legislation, Indiana Governor Mitch Daniels explained the principal effect of the law would have been to restrain competition and to limit new entrants into the occupation. But that's the effect of all of these licensing laws. Mm. Why do they let some people get away with it? It's just because some of them are more politically connected than others, right? Better better lobbyists. Uh, He said that... 
More money tossed around. He said interior designers were hardly the only profession seeking government protection from potential competitors. And the numbers bear them out. Fifty years ago, only 5% of the American workforce was licensed. Today, it's nearly 30. Wow. Meaning one out of every three jobs, almost one out of every three jobs, you have to get a government license in order to perform in America, in the so-called land of the free. In the, uh, the, you know, the place where you're supposed to be able to go into business for yourself and be in total control of your opportunities and your freedoms. And, the and land of opportunity, choose. is right. it not? Right. Well, it's an opportunity. If you've got a state license, it's Apparently. an opportunity to pay the government in order to work. Right. So, the 30%. And that's not going to go down. That number's just going to go up. And if, apparently we're not just talking brain surgeons or airline pilots. Louisiana requires florists to be licensed. <laughs> that in, seems silly. <laughs> in several states, uh, only licensed funeral directors may sell caskets. Now, that's Even, a great business to be in. I mean, as far as protection from the government is concerned, the funeral business, look, if you want to be connected with the politicians and really get some guaranteed business from the state, funerals. Because everyone, from what I can tell, in every state is required to to use the services of a funeral and house. Expensive. Yeah, you can't I'm, just... I'm I'm perfectly okay with being buried in the backyard. Just well, you know. they're not. <laughs> they are not okay with it. Uh, one iota. They'll I... let you get the you know the cremation as an option, but you still have but to it go sells through seven hundred bucks. Right, you still have to go through their approved Rigamole. service providers. Yeah. It is a huge racket. And uh, apparently a state-sanctioned monopoly they use, these funeral directors, they sell the caskets and jack up prices from 400 to 600%, a fact established in litigation by the Institute for Justice in Tennessee and Oklahoma. Well, you know, there are a lot of ludicrous ones out there, but let's talk about airline pilots. They just mentioned airline pilots. Yeah. Okay. Who is more motivated to make sure that an airline pilot is qualified to fly a plane? The government, who's going to get... Oh, I don't know, ten thousand dollars from uh, you know per sort of certified pilot. Yeah. I'm just making a number up. I'm just I have no idea. It's probably a grand, you know. Okay, probably. grand, five grand, ten grand. You pick yeah. the number, or the airline that's going to lose this multi-million-dollar airplane. Not to um, mention the customers and and the employees. You Not pay, to you mention pay the up. horrible publicity you'll get if your airplane pilots stink and you keep losing. And the lawsuits <laughs> that are going to come from every single family member right. of every single yeah. passenger. What's the purpose of this? It's just the government sticking its hand in yep. and getting money to pay bureaucrats that don't need it. Yep, that's all it is. That's all it is everywhere. All, we could all be safe from poisonous food. We could all be safe from dangerous appliances. We could all be safe from all these things that government tells us. Well, we need protection from the government on these things. No, we don't. What we need is the marketplace to be free to operate in the way it naturally does. And the way the marketplace operates is that the people that are doing business have an interest inherently in protecting the safety of their consumers. You don't want to sell a customer a heater so he can burn his house down. You want to sell him a heater that's got a, a tip feature where if it you know falls over, the tip feature will turn the heater off. You want to sell things with safety devices attached to them because that's in your best interest. You want that customer to come back and tell not, his friends about your store. Not just the manufacturer, but the, uh, the retailer, too. That's what I was talking about, the retailer. At that level, it, it starts there uh, because, well, it starts at the level 
trouble of the consumer because they want safety, and the retailers want their customers to be safe, and the the vendors they want their uh, products to be in as many retailers as possible. So and they want to have safe products. They want to be sure. known as the safest uh, floor heater out point. there. I think I think space heaters are a great example because yeah. uh, space heaters have been vilified throughout the ages. But you know the fact is. Everything 50 years ago was crappier and more dangerous sure. than it is today. I mean, do you want to drive around a 50-year-old car? I used to have a 76 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. And, you know, it was 7,000 pounds of Detroit steel. <laughs> You've seen it. It was, it was a huge car. But... You, you compare it to the cars of today versus um, that car, and I didn't have a shoulder belt. Mm. When I stepped on the brakes kind of hard, that thing would go... <laughs> and then everybody would turn around because they knew that the next because the, the thing that comes after that is bang. Yeah. But it wouldn't happen. That's just what happened when I stopped quick because it's a huge car yeah. and it has you know just the the, the rubber that's <laughs> touching the road can't stop it. It doesn't have ABS or anything wow. like that. What it did do is it would teach people that were in front of me, hey, don't just stop quick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Wake up. 1-800-259-9231. If you don't think the market can handle this, we'd love to hear from you. Give us an example of where you think government needs to be regulating industry, where they need to be licensing professions, plumbers, whatever it is, man. There's so many licensed professions out there. One out of three jobs in America. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. Julia will be rejoining us shortly. Our website is freetalklive.com, and the toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. Again, that's 800-259-9231. Julia, back with us. And Julia. All right. <laughs> and uh, you don't want to correct myself. I said it was one out of three American jobs. That was probably a. Uh, it was probably incorrect. We're talking about regulation and how many professions in America are licensed, and it's thirty percent. So one out of three almost professions in America. I think that's probably a little more accurate of a way to say it as opposed to one out of three jobs. Right. Well, I guess one out of three jobs is, uh, you know, I I thought that significant because, you know, obviously um, one uh, one out of three people don't work out of um, one out of three professions. You know, just because they took a list of people that uh, of professions out there that may have had, uh, uh, you know, required some kind of state uh, licensing. No, that's that, that's not the same. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's still a lot. By the way, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we'd invite you to go to Amazon.freetalklive.com and buy some stuff. If you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Just start your shopping at Amazon.freetalklive.com. Forty one categories to shop in the brands you know and trust, and great deals. Super Saver shipping is free on a whole bunch of items. So go shopping at Amazon.freetalklive.com as we go to your phone calls. Aaron. In California, listening on KCAA. Hello, Aaron. Hey, gentlemen. How are you? We're not going to talk about UFOs tonight. We're going to talk about paperwork. I'm listening to... Uh, you are talking to me, correct? Yes, yes, sir. Okay. You were talking about government interference and uh, and paperwork. Well, I want you both to take a guess. You hire a teenager, 16 years old, to mow your lawn twice a week. Legally, how many different pieces of paperwork do you think you have to fill out? I shudder to think. This um, is in California? Yes, uh-huh. No idea. Uh, ten? 
actually, actually, this came from a 60-minute show about 10 years ago, so it could be New York. But anyway, they did use California. The answer is 60, and what? I'm not going to write Crazy. down all 60 for you, but here's, here's where we start. First, this is legally now, not what people do. You have to have an, an environmental protection agency check the motor of the lawnmower if it's a gas <laughs> mower to make sure it doesn't emit too much smog. Number two, you have to have a W-2 form for the teenager to withhold his income taxes, his SSI, and disability insurance in case he may get hurt on the job. You have to have an EPA environmental protection check on your lawn to make sure there's no harsh chemicals that may harm the teenager's sperm in the future. True. <laughs> number, number three, right? The tires on the lawnmower must be at least 4.5 pounds to 6.5 pounds of pressure, and the ground can be no more than 42% saturated with soil if this teenager is allowed to mow your lawn. Next, the teenager must wear proper safety equipment, including goggles, knee pads, arm pads. <laughs> This is, this is true, Oh, Joe. I believe this you. This is true. I absolutely believe one you. Must wear, one must wear protective gear at all times. Now, I can see the goggles because sometimes sure. power mowers... Sometimes it's a good idea uh, to oh, wear yeah. goggles. Absolutely. That throws stuff up in your face sometimes, sure. But that's not the point. The point is you have to have supply a form that this teenager is properly protected wow. against flying slugs that may come out of the power mower. <laughs> a basket in the power mower must be OSHA approved that it traps at least 92% of all pollen particles so the teenager that's mowing your lawn doesn't go into a, you got to help me here, a hay fever attack. Okay? You must have a medical, you must give him medical. Since you've hired him, you must give him some type of medical insurance. This goes on and on and on. I've only given you 15 of them. Wow, that's amazing. I don't want to bore you with the other 15. Oh, he must have a work permit. And you must also have a license, either him or yourself, as him being hired out as an outside contractor to mow your yard. Amazing. And that's why it's a lot easier to deal with aliens than the American bureaucratic system. <laughs> Thank you for the call tonight, Aaron. Good one. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I believe some laws were broken uh, for me as a child when I was mowed mowing some lawns. lawns. I mowed some lawns. And, well, uh, this might have only been for California or New York. He wasn't sure which one. You know, I was trying for uh, two years uh, when I lived in Sarasota to find some kid to mow my lawn. They, they don't like doing it. I, I would, I, you know, I'd stop. I'd see a teenager on the street, um, you know, near my house, I'd stop. I'd talk to them about, you know, what my address was, and I'd like somebody to mow the lawn. And, you know, <laughs> Some of them would say yeah, some of them would say nah, and uh, the ones that said yeah never showed up. I couldn't get yeah. a teenager to mow my lawn. Yeah, I made the mistake once of uh, paying him half up front. Whoops. Didn't even show up, huh? Well, he came and, like, started, and then left it half done. Crazy. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> I'll never do that again. You got hosed by a 16-year-old. Yep, That's funny. Sure did. Well, at least got half the mo- yeah, lawn mode. Yeah, at least you only had to do half of it yourself. And at least you only paid half. Uh, what's nice so you is, got what you paid for. Well, I've got a duplex up here, and the tenant, actually, uh, I, I paid Without him to asking. take care of it. Well, no, he he kind of takes care of the lawn, but I give him a little discount on the rent. Give him like ah. 25. During the summer months, I give him 25 bucks off or whatever, because you only have to mow the lawn once a month up here. It's not the same as And only for three months a year. Different, eh? Yeah. Which right. is actually very nice. 
I'll continue with your phone calls. Jeff in Indianapolis, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Hello, Jeff. Hello. What's on your mind? I thought of a, I thought of a job that should require expensive licensing. What's that? Uh, people should have to pay very high prices to be licensed to join a government police force. Hmm. Certified. But they're certified <laughs> uh, already. Well, that's just kind of a joke anyway. Yeah, I know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was calling because I'm kind of upset with banks today. Okay, what about uh, it? Well, I closed a checking account today because I'm trying to consolidate. Uh, my, my, I've moved a couple times. I had three open checking accounts, and I needed to get them all consolidated. Yeah, so simplify, simplify, up. sure. I wanted to close another one. I went there, I closed it, I was, and then I was informed that even after closing my account, the bank may still accept payments against my account that haven't come in yet. Payments so, against the account, what does well, that mean? Well, I closed it, but if somebody, you know wants to put something through, they can't, and they won't reject it. So that means if, they're, if, if you've written a check... In the, balance, in the negative. That means if you've written a check to somebody... My and closed they, account. So if, if you've written a check to somebody and you close the account, then they will still honor the check, and you'll be responsible Hello? for it? Hello? Jeff? Are you there? I thought I heard him breathe. Jeff? I guess he's gone. Maybe he hit, the, uh, hit his own mute button or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know. Um... But you, it, it, I don't see a problem with that. No, if, I don't either. If you've you wrote written the check. a check. Now, um, it may be if there's uh, some kind of automatic draft thing, that's a pain in the butt. Yeah, that doesn't but make you, sense. You set up the automatic draft. Yeah, that's true. You, so, should, you should have to, I mean, it's not the bank's responsibility to go around and close all of your accounts for you. So if you've set up automatic uh, deposit or withdrawal or whatever it is that's it's happening in your account, you should close those things down first. And then close the account. When I closed an account recently, I, you know, I made sure that all my checks had cleared out. There were a couple things out in the mail, and that meant that I had to wait a couple weeks in order to uh, to clear out the account. And you know, that's just what you have to do. But I understand the frustration. I can see where he's coming from. I just don't agree. It's, it's yeah. It could be easier. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. What I like um, is if I'm going to have an automatic debit, um, I prefer to have it against a credit card. Mm-hmm. That way, uh, you know, I can I can shut down a credit card. I can say I'm stopping this credit card. You, therefore, you won't get any kind of uh, you right. know uh, late. Che- you know, they're just uh, going to decline bounce. at that point. Right. There, there won't be any bounce checks or anything like that. So I've done that same thing. I'm not real fond of uh, checking accounts, just in general. Um, but you know, yeah, but you have to have them. You pretty much need. Yeah, I, I don't use it. I don't. I don't use a debit card for my checking account just because I can't. You know, I I could never keep uh, track of them and and that kind of thing. So I, you could usually track track where your checks are. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Uh, coming up, tying in kind of to the uh, the issue about industry and licensing, just industry in general. Uh, Paul Craig Roberts will tell us that according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The U.S. economy lost 98,000 private sector jobs in March, and today, uh, now, there is a record number of people in America that are working for the government. We'll look into the details on that. So, one out of three, we talked earlier about this, one out of three professions, private professions, are licensed in America, which means you have to beg the government for permission in order to do a job. But a significant number of Americans are now working directly for the government in addition to all that. So the 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 level of government interaction in our lives and in our it's huge in our careers is tremendous and that uh, these numbers 
of people that are employed by the government are employees. So it doesn't include contractors. It doesn't include people that you know get a government contract right, uh, or uh, you work for a company that uh, you know supplies some something to the government, right, that kind of thing. Yeah, somehow receiving money from the government doesn't include them. We'll get to that here in moments and take your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We can talk about uh, the record number of government employees here in moments. But first, we go to your phone calls. Indy in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Indy. Hey, guys. I I want to preach and subscribe that uh, professional engineers, PEs licensed by the state, are a good thing. Because in addition to establishing their credentials and ability to do the job that they do, they also have a uh, moral responsibility to the public to uh, protect the public interest and safety. Well, I don't, don't think, you think we all have a moral responsibility to the public to do, to uh, protect their safety and whatever the hell their uh, interest is. Come on, Mark. I believe we do. If you see a stone <laughs> about to fall on someone's head. I have a responsibility to corner off the area and protect my fellow brothers and sisters from getting hurt. There you go. But I don't think so, you're making. So a, what do we need? So what do we need a state certification for engineers? Yeah, you're for? not making a real persuasive argument here. I mean, as we pointed out last hour, for those just tuning in, we were talking about licensing and how one out of every three professions in America is now uh, almost one out of every three Amer- uh, American professions is now licensed. Uh, and it's ludicrous because all it is is protectionism. The marketplace would put into place all the necessary mechanisms to keep people safe we, if we would just let it uh, let it work. Why is it in your mind that engineers cannot simply be certified privately? Uh, they are certified privately. Actually, the, uh, the, the public government is so overwhelming in the PE business. The people who put up the towers on which you're broadcasting tonight... Mm-hmm. And the uh, lines on which I'm talking tonight on the telephone are all engineers, PEs, uh, licensed by the state. It's a pretty good certification, guys. The public, or the uh, but wait, 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 you didn't answer the question. I, I wouldn't dispute that it's it's a pretty good certification. Now I know that they they have their own private organization. It has to do something with a ring, with a with a with a cog on it, right? You're right. Okay. Now why couldn't that private organization? Because you're not an engineer unless you've got that ring with the cog on it. Is that correct? Now, there's the guy that drives the train, and he doesn't count. There's uh, something called a field engineer that uh, works for the phone company, and they don't count. The only engineers that are really engineers are the people that have the ring with the cog, correct? Yeah, Mark, you're on, you're on the spot. Yeah, well, well why isn't I've that got, good I've enough? Got a couple of, I've got an uncle and a cousin that happen to have that ring. So why do we need state certification when, in fact, uh, the, 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 com- the, the PE organization that gives the ring with the cog on it what do we need to, I mean, everybody knows that the only real engineer is the guy with the ring with cog on it. Currently, gentlemen, the, uh, the, the public government system is the best system in place. I will agree with you that the uh, private sector could probably produce something better. Okay. But right now, you asked, you asked uh, your callers if there was a good public system of certification. 
there is a good one right now. No, that wasn't and, my question. That wasn't my question. My question was, was there something that that you felt that the government needed to handle exclusively as opposed to the marketplace? I wouldn't dispute that uh, that likely it was engineers that put together the uh, the, the, the certification sure for the, that the public, uh, you know. The, well, you know the, the politicians public, don't know a damn thing right. about how it. Was the poli- how were the politicians going to do it um, anyway? So I wouldn't dispute that. I would dispute, however, that uh, we don't well, need Well, he's already on our side. Yeah. He already said we get rid of the program. The uh, marketplace will provide it, and that's what we're suggesting here. Indy, thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. And everybody to... learned a little something about engineers and rings. Yeah, I didn't know about the cog no, thing. I didn't it's know about that either. Of course, then again, I've never had to hire an engineer, so I really never had to care about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, you do learn something new every night here on Free Talk Live. Paul Craig Roberts at Counterpunch. Says that uh, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, government employs 22.3, almost 22.4 million Americans. That's almost 9 million more than manufacturing. Even the category leisure and hospitality employs 16 point, or 13.6 million Americans. Uh, and there are as many waitresses and bartenders as production workers in America. Wholesale and retail trade employ 21.4 Americans, 21.4 million. Americans, so there are more government employees than any other business sector in America right now. What does that mean for the future of the American economy? Well, it doesn't mean that uh, we're going to get the, uh, the the best service. Um, you know, basically, when government government does anything, they don't get uh, they don't have the same incentives as uh, private companies do. A great example is trash service. Here in Keene, New Hampshire, amazingly enough, all trash service is private. There is, other than picking up the leaves in the uh, in the fall, um, mm-hmm. somehow the, the, the local uh, denizens of Keene um, can figure out how to get rid of their trash on their own. However, they cannot, and they raise this in- incredible fuss about uh, someone picking up their leaves. How are we going to get rid of our leaves if the government doesn't <laughs> do it? They know how to get rid of their lawn clippings and how to get rid of uh, you know little limbs they cut off their trees. However, they can't figure out how to get rid of leaves. Ludicrous. But um, every place else I've ever lived, the government takes care of trash service. Now, when the government takes care of trash service, you can't throw away. You know, you you can't throw away certain things. Uh, when you when you throw away lawn uh, items, they must be cut to uh, a, a minimum, a maximum of 48 inches long. Mm-hmm. They must be bundled together. Um, your garbage can can't contain more than 40 pounds. It has of to refuse. be a special kind of garbage can. Right. It has to. You be have a, to recycle. You, but you have to you have to put uh, different types of trash in different types of containers. Um, I actually paint, had forget paint and throwing away computers and things like that. Impossible. Mm. Oil. Uh, you have to hide them well. Right. That, that, <laughs> That's what they tell you to do, by the way. If you call the, uh, um, if you call the, the the trash people and say, "What are we? What am I supposed to do with this paint?" They say, "Put it at the bottom of the bag and cover it with stuff." Well, if it's I in actually, a black trash bag, they're never going to know about it. I actually had the recycling man once um, dump my entire su- recycling bin out and tell me that there was one thing in there that wasn't clean enough, yeah. and he left it like that, right. and wow. I had to pick it up. Right. Crappy, crappy customer service is what I'm trying that to point out here. That makes me want to recycle, by the way. <laughs> and this is, you know, this this is how it goes. Yeah. The government, they don't have to. Whereas here in Keene, New Hampshire, I could throw away anything I want in my trash. The trash per- guy does ask that I have everything bagged. Yeah. I do that for him. But... Julia put a, co- a coffee cup in there, and it's been uh, in the trash bin for three weeks now because they won't take it unless it has a, a bag around it. No. So. 
Well, but, but otherwise, they're pretty it's, reasonable. It's their rule, and right. you can choose to get another trash man. If you want another sure. trash man, I can give you a recommendation. I know a guy who will take your cup out of your garbage. <laughs> you can fire ABC awesome. Trash Service, which I believe is, in fact, yeah. what your trash service is called, yeah. which shows you they don't need to compete. They just <laughs> name themselves ABC. That's how little competition that they have, okay? There's a few services, though. There so. are, but it's, it's just, And you know. it's reasonably priced. And it it's really, is. really interesting to watch the garbage man drive around because it's totally different than what you see in Florida with all the guys hanging out. There's like five guys on the truck yeah. in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> These guys have one dude. He drives and hauls. He gets he out of the car. He, gets he picks out. up the trash. Yep. He puts it in the bin. Then he gets back in the car. And then he drives to the next house. And somehow he can figure out where to go in the neighborhood with... Even though not everybody uses the same trash service. Somehow, it's it's amazing, but he's, they've done it. Well, in the same way that newspaper delivery people can figure out who to deliver their newspapers It's amazing. To. They know who their clients are. Uh, so, yeah, I, lo- I love not having to recycle. I mean, I didn't do it in Florida after I watched the Penn & Teller episode, uh, the, the BS episode about recycling and learned that it was total nonsense. Uh, except for aluminum. Aluminum you can recycle and pro- profitably, and sure. it makes sense. But everything else is just a government make-work program, essentially. And so I, I had quit recycling down in Florida for probably the, the last year and a half that I worked there, or, or uh, lived there. And that was, uh, you know, uh, that was illegal for me to not recycle. It's a mandatory recycling thing, but up here there is no mandatory recycling, which is just lovely. It's just nice to not have to worry about some... A uh, code enforcement bureaucrat coming around and harassing me because I don't have bins out by the curb. <laughs> just one of those, just one of those little ways that New Hampshire is just a little bit more free than other places. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Since we're talking economics, uh, or where we were earlier, the uh, Zimbabwe economy apparently is being saved by the black market. Now this is interesting. On a typical workday. Lovemore Vambe will make dozens of clandestine phone calls that lead to a handful of illegal transactions. He'll conspire with colleagues, sidestep police, or bribe them if necessary, and come home in the evening with a few dollars in his pocket. It's enough to make the rent and keep his eldest child in a boarding school. In Zimbabwe's free-falling economy, the slight, mustachioed 31-year-old holds a rare, steady job. He is a money dealer. A money dealer. In an economy where... Money is being pumped out of the government at a rate you've never experienced, unless you've actually experienced hyperinflation. There are black market money dealers. What does that mean exactly? I have no idea. I'm not sure either, but we're going to find out here in a few moments and take your calls as well about whatever you want. You can bring up anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Black Market Money Dealers. We'll continue that discussion here in moments, but first, the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is better known as Porkfest. It's happening June 9th through the 15th, and at Porkfest, you'll be able to discover the outdoor and recreational adventures that New Hampshire has to offer, as well as learn how Free State Project early movers are already making a difference. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. The Free State Project, where we need libertarian men to come meet our all our libertarian ladies. Yeah, exactly. It's a good time. You definitely want to come up here, and some of them will be at Porkfest. So there will be some at Pork Fest. There's no doubt about it. 
First come, first serve. I feel like and there's a drinking lot. alcohol. I always feel like there's a lot of women at the Park Fest and the Liberty Forum for libertarians. Yeah. Yep. Oh yes, disproportionate to normal uh, to any libertarian event anywhere you've ever been, you will find more here in New Hampshire. Fewer, um, you know, it's especially at uh, Pork Fest. There's far fewer old guys with badges. badges. Lots, lots of well, just just have badges. Libertarian events, they have badges with their names. Oh, the on name them. badge. Yeah. I am fortunate enough to never have been to a Libertarian Party event, and I'm. I'm pretty thankful. You're not for missing that. much. Yeah, I, I really have no desire to ever go to one. I'm I'm good. So here's the story from Zimbabwe, which, as you know, if you've been listening, uh, they've got an awful, awful hyperinflation problem uh, going on there right now. And apparently, one of the results of this is that the black market has taken up money dealing. We're talking about Lovemore Vombe, who is a money dealer on Harare's thriving black market, helping Zimbabweans trade foreign currency for their increasingly worthless local cash. With inflation estimated at 200,000%, easily the highest in the world right now, Zimbabwe's currency is barely worth the paper it's printed on. The largest Zimbabwean note, $10 million, can't buy more than a couple of sodas. Foreign currency runs this economy now, mainly the U.S. dollar and the South African rand. Nearly all of it traded on the black market. The government of longtime President Robert Mugabe, who faces a critical re-election test on Saturday, that was last week, so I don't know what happened there. Well, he's claiming to have won. <laughs> I won! <laughs> and apparently, it's pegged the exchange rate at $1 to 30,000 Zimbabwean dollars. But the currency is losing value at such head-spinning speed that on the streets of Harar, one U.S. greenback will soon fetch about 2,000 times that amount. So 2,000 times 30,000. Since no one can afford to do business at the official rate, Vambi says the thousands of informal dealers have become Zimbabwe's lifeline. He says if you want Zim dollars, you have to buy it on the parallel market. He said seated in an overstuffed sofa in the comfortable suburban home he shares with his wife and three children. Do call it the parallel market? Yes. Okay. The banks don't allow you to pull out more than $500 a day, he said, meaning 500 million <laughs> Zimbabwe dollars. The six zeros at the end being essentially meaningless in a figure that equates to no less or two less than 10 U.S. bucks. And that is when they have cash. Me, I can always find cash for a customer. But he has to hustle. Even though the police regularly crack down on the illegal trade, in a country where 9 in 10 people don't hold regular jobs, money dealing is a rare chance to make a buck and is therefore highly competitive. In a good week, Vambi can make $100 in commissions, more than enough to cover the month's rent. Zimbabwe's economy began falling a decade ago, or failing a decade ago, after Mugabe launched a politically motivated land reform scheme that bankrupted the farm sector, the country's main source of income. Now remittances from Zimbabweans living overseas drive the economy, pumping as much as $1 billion in foreign currency into the country each year, nearly all of it coming through the black market. So the money coming into the Zimbabwean economy is being facilitated by black market money dealers. If it weren't for these black market dealers... Who knows what would be happening there right now? Would it hasten the crash? Would it be a good thing if the black market guys were gone? I don't know enough about economics to really comment on that. But I find it fascinating. I find it amazing that, uh, you know, the black market is... The marketplace, of course, is the black market. The, the The free market, the marketplace... When products and services are prohibited, it still operates. It's just we call it the black market and make it sound scary. And in many cases, it is, you know, like in drug dealing and 
Maybe even in the money dealing business. It might be violence. There might be threats. There might be uh, dangerous. I wouldn't uh, doubt it. Um, uh, once, once things are illegal, it depends on how illegal they are. Really, is uh, the question. I mean, how much do the cops crack down? If it's if it's just a little payoff here and there, and then they go and leave you alone, no big deal. Right. And he's talking about having to pay off the cops in this uh, in this case. So it's really just an amazing story about how the black market. It's not just about drugs and prostitution. It's about anything. Anything the government doesn't want you to get your hands on without, you know, outside of the normal channels will be available in the black market. Uh, continued the story here, though. He says there's absolutely no way uh, – this is an econo- economist in Harar – there's absolutely no way the economy could function without the inflows of money via the black market, according to the economist. Finding money on the streets well, is the easy. economy will function. I don't know um, whether they're uh, – you know, I, I don't know how it would affect it, but – there will be some kind of functioning of an economy. He says, uh, because the government prints so much of it, it's easy to find the money. With Mugabe facing a close election race, he believes the Reserve Bank has pumped more than $1.5 quadrillion onto the market over the past month. That's hard to even imagine how many quadrillion is. That's a lot of damn zeros. It's just zeros. Uh, to buy votes for the ruling and, and, party. You know, that, that's the thing is they just print the zeros on them just like we're printing these dollars up. Yep. You know, as, as worthless as theirs are, so is, so is ours, really. Sure it is. It's just the people haven't what figured it out. It up? Nothing. Nothing. What do you get for your dollar? Yeah, you can exchange it for goods. Because people believe it. other people believe it, right. and that's fine. I believe it. They believe it. I'm willing to exchange my work for a certain amount of dollars, so therefore they're willing to exchange their product for a certain amount of my dollars, and, and that works and everything. But it's like a it's, a it's a balloon. And in the case of Zimbabwe, the air is rushing out at an incredible pace. In our case, it's just rushing out very, you know, just, just a little bit. It's like when you hold the balloon tight right. and it goes... <laughs> That's what's going on here. With Zimbabwe, it's going whoosh, yep. and yep. flying all over the room. And it, it all has to do with the government's, <laughs> se- the central bank's policy. It's all like up my, to them. How do you like my economic metaphors? I do like your economic mm-hmm. metaphors. I, I like the balloon noises more. Yep. So it all has to do with the government's central bank policy and how much they want to inflate the currency. Because inflation, for those of you who've never heard this before, it bears repeating. We've always got new listeners. Inflation is not a rise in prices. Understand this. A rise in prices is a symptom of inflation. Right. This is probably the most relevant thing you can learn about the money system here in America and around the world. Inflation is an inflation of the money supply, meaning the government is pumping more dollars, which costs them nothing to create. They're pumping more dollars into the economy, therefore devaluing the existing dollars in the economy, therefore Prices have to rise in order to compensate for the devalued dollar. That doesn't mean all prices rise. There are some things that confuse you out there because some things have gotten cheaper over time. You know, uh, rubbing alcohol is the example you like to use, Mark, has gotten cheaper. You can buy more of it now for less than you could 10 or 20 years ago. Right. I, I didn't, you know, I, I, when I was in high school, I used to buy rubbing alcohol to, uh, you know, take care of some of the, of the oil on my face. And... I've heard that's not good, by the way. Well, whatever. I was in high school. (laughs) (laughs) High school students aren't known for being smart. And it was 99 cents for a a bottle of it. Now it's 79 cents. And it was 79 cents when I went to to Walmart uh, a couple months ago. It's because the marketplace constantly works to lower costs. Even in the face of inflation, the marketplace is so powerful and amazing that it can continue to successfully lower costs. Uh, through various different uh, production techniques and competition and all of that. But still, some things go up every single time, like consumables like food and uh, gasoline, and those are the real things you want to keep your eye on to get an idea for what's really going on. More coming up, but even gasoline subsidized. More coming up. Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231 and bring up whatever you want. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Live streams are there, broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both free for you at freetalklive.com. So enjoy them on us. Is another fad diet really the answer to losing those extra pounds, working out and eating right, no longer working for you? If you can relate to that, then go read the story of a doctor who lost 37 pounds in one month and just kept it off. See the actual before and after pictures and read his story at notfatanymore.com. You can get off that fad diet roller coaster forever. Check it out, notfatanymore.com. Let's go to your phone calls and talk to John in Salem, New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live, John. Hi, folks. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, I'm getting a little bit tired, but I'm uh, not going to give up. I'm going to re-energize. I've been, I've been playing this game of trying to gain freedom for myself and my neighbors and my children and all of that for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. In case anybody doesn't have a clue yet, we do not live in a free country. No, sir, we don't. I was reminded of, you know, when the an anniversary came up of when the USA hockey team beat the USSR, and it was huge news. But why was it news? <laughs> oh, it God. was news because this... of all the things we were taught, because those countries were evil, the right. USSR, communist China, uh, Cuba, right. Freedom's uh, North good. Korea, you know, the list could go on. Freedom's good and evil. despotic but governments are bad. Evil? Yeah. If they... you wanted your own business... You couldn't you have one. You needed to get permission from the government. Right. You did not own the land that you lived on. You got a subsidized apartment from the government, and they could force you in or out and do anything they wanted at any time. As late as, and this is the last time I remember this issue, Bush number one, when he went into Iraq, they were still using this language that Saddam Hussein was an evil dictator because he encouraged his citizens to spy on one another. Mm -hmm. You know what? The list can go on and on and on. There was a government bureaucrat in the condo condominium today working for a private party, but in, in contract with the federal government to try to get more people on welfare here in New Hampshire, by the way. And, the, and when I told the woman... You know, all you need to do is look to 25 or 30 years ago. That is happening to our country. All of she the was, things you're talking she said, about. I don't, yeah. I don't even think about that, she said. All, yeah, all of the, the examples you've given are, you know, they're almost happening here on a much much wider scale. I mean, the the government controls so much, and you do have to ask government's permission. We talked earlier this uh, this hour about how one out of three professions have to be licensed in America. Well... When you say one out of three professions, um, I hope that we have less of that in New Hampshire. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think New Hampshire's on the lower side. On a state level, um, I've heard that New Hampshire, we actually license more than, God forbid we say this, Massachusetts. Oh, that sounds hard to believe. We need to get activists here. What can we do? I guess 
what can we do is the question. We do not live in a free country. Nope. I, I think, as far as I know, we have to come together. I can tell you what my solution is, John, and, and I agree with coming together, and I think that uh, bringing more uh, liberty activists here to New Hampshire is going to be a good thing. And I know the political guys think that, oh, just give us another election, and we're going to show you that the political route is, is going to well, work. I'm about ready to give up on that. Me it's too, It's going to take 100 years, more than that. It yeah. takes so long to get something done there. Well, it does because you have to wait, you know, two two years here, two years there before you can have another shot at changing things. And I was watching Free Minds TV. We have uh, the co- the co-host of Free Minds TV on this show every other two or every Tuesday. I don't uh, you, watch that often enough, can, but it's an excellent show. Yep, you can see them at FreeMindsTV.com. But they were talking about uh, these homeschoolers in America, or not in America, but here in New Hampshire, and that the uh, the government they uh, last I think it was last year or the year before that. One of the free staters got a piece of homeschooling legislation passed through the state house that reduced the requirements for homeschoolers. A very uh, early mover named Dawn, beautiful woman. That's correct. They actually had Dawn on their show this week. They, yeah, they had Dawn on their show to talk about this. Uh, so they, they got this legislation passed. They removed some of the requirements for homeschooling. And, of course, you might look at that and you might say, yeah, political. Yes, well, the political right? system works. Well, what are they doing now? Well, guess what? There's a proposal on the table to reinitiate the old, uh, similar, I don't know if it's the exact same requirements, but to reinitiate more reporting requirements to the government. So what they had before was they, they had these requirements that homeschoolers had to submit their curriculum to the government or their plan, their lesson plan, essentially, to the government prior to uh, them going through their year of of homeschooling. So, which is ludicrous to suggest that you need to uh, tell some bureaucrat how it is you plan on educating your kid, and what if you change your plan? And and what's the bureaucrat get to do, tell you whether or not that's acceptable? I don't know. Exactly, exactly. And and if you think think they're being upfront and honest about this, you've got to know, they're they're conniving little... Snifling, conniving little socialists that want to try to trick you into all of this stuff. But my they point want here, to not John, only take back what they, what they, in their mind, lost. They want, they want to restrict freedom. And and my sure thing is, do. these leftists who, who, you know, I, I'm, I, I reach out to these people a little bit, and I say, you know, I thought you people were against violence. I thought you people in the, in the, you know. The peace community wanted to find balance. Balance doesn't mean leaning heavily to the right or heavily to the left. Please stop inflicting that. Yeah, stop I don't know if forcing you guys get your the neighbors. hippo press out there. The what? The hippo? No, no, that's... It, it's just this big paper. Yeah. Um, I know that they, you'd see it in Boston. It's like but I just picked it up this evening on my way home from yoga class at the Jaws. You know, just a regular, yeah. a normal, a normal where everybody else goes is. New Hampshire dedicated to the pledge. The pledge is where office seekers say, I reject any attempt to get a broad-based tax, which would mean an income tax or a sales tax. Mm -hmm. What they're doing is they're going after this on a community level. I haven't read the article yet. I know that we defeated it here in Salem. I spent nine damn hours at it. At the town meeting. What are they going after? I don't understand. We don't see you around at all these things. Well, guess what? On that day, I spent nine damn hours just to make sure that this thing happened. What were they trying to do exactly? I don't don't understand. What they're trying to do is just it's incremental. It's incrementalism. 
you, you have this woman, and by the way, Massachusetts people who, you know, I moved from Massachusetts, and we, we always get the, you know, we're... But wait a minute, John, the, I don't understand. I'm sorry, boy, John. Right? What is it they're trying to do incrementally? I, I missed that what point. What they're trying to do is to um, get people to reject the so-called pledge, where an to, office... To not take it, you mean. ...has to take the pledge to say, I reject any attempt, and I will not vote for or sign a broad-based... So they're trying to make the pledge out to be a bad thing and get politicians to and ignore it. They're trying to do it at the town town level, Just with, where at these local levels somebody can get something on the ballot. Yeah, and then then the community votes for it. Gotcha. And it goes, to, you know, so that. They're just trying to do this trickle-up thing. John, thank you for the call tonight. We appreciate your, all of your efforts, and uh, thank you for calling in. 800-259-9231. I was uh, working. One that I wanted to explain was what was going on with the homeschooling thing. They... Um, so they passed this law that repealed regulations, repealed the reporting regulations for the homeschoolers. That's good. And you're going to say, yeah, politics works. Well, now what are they right. doing? They're, They're looking the at bringing thing. the damn to, law back. It's yeah. a constant battle that never ends. Every, <clears throat> every time you win, you lose 50 times, and you have to continually fight to keep what you won. And, yes, you're right. If you believe in the system, and if you believe that it's legitimate, but the problem here is that people are so damned obedient. Well, All homeschoolers have to do is stop following the rules. What if the homeschoolers in New Hampshire just said, F you to these rules? Then, then I can tell you what could quite possibly happen is they'd say, the homeschooling's out of here. We're sick of it. No, no way. The politicians would say, no homeschooling. Are they going to arrest homeschoolers? They could very Jail well. Them? What Nonsense. do you think they're going to do in California? I, I don't think they're going to arrest homeschoolers. You think the people have the spines to stand up? When it, um, no, when, they don't, right. and that's the problem. They don't have the spine not to turn in the piece of paper, let alone when when things that's start the cracking problem. down. Look, you have to be involved in the political process because the politicians are after your freedom. 800-259-9231. But the political process is the problem. And it the may very well be, but the, the politicians are out there. The solution is courage. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call if you make it now at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then join the AMP program. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. You'll get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in line, chat room, forum, and more. Or I should say AMP-only call-in lines. We've got uh, multiple AMP call-in lines now, which is uh, nice. Big thanks to uh, Michael Hampton over at homelandstupidity.us for setting that up for us. And uh, so you get access to some special stuff, but also you can feel good in knowing the money you're contributing is going to help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations across the country. So get on board at amp.freetalklive.com. All right. So let's continue this discussion because I think it's it's an important one to have. I was watching Free Minds TV uh, at freemindstv.com, and they were talking about one of the uh, pieces of legislation that the New Hampshire uh, State House is looking at right now that will re-regulate the New Hampshire uh, homeschoolers. And apparently there are a number of young people in New Hampshire that are homeschooled, relatively uh, a decent amount. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a relatively low uh, – there's not a lot of homeschooling um, legislation here compared to places like, say, California. And so there's a good amount of homeschoolers here, and they have a you know a pretty decent lobbying ability. They're they're good at going to the state house and standing up for what they believe in and their viewpoint and 
to homeschooling freedom, right? And I'm all in favor of it. I think it's great. I think people should be able to homeschool. And um, what Dawn was talking about, Dawn Lincoln from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, what she was talking about is this method of homeschooling that I find fascinating. And that is that essentially you teach your kids the basics, the bare, bare basics of reading and writing, right? You, you just make it so they can absorb information and they can communicate, and then you just let them self-school, essentially, or you unschool I them or whatever. I actually work with a young man, and he is homeschooled. His entire family of 10 children, are they're all homeschooled. Good and Lord. I asked him if his mother taught him or how that worked, and he said, no, actually, I teach myself. And he said that he was just taught the bare minimum, and then his parents just like let him go and, and he's right. not retarded and you know <laughs> no, well, he's actually one of the best workers we have and he's just such a nice guy what's not shocking about this is that's what everyone does every day i, that, I you know you and i we have uh, you know we have the knowledge that we have and then we go out and pr- we procure whatever knowledge we want to have right. whatever interests us and that way you know and, and in teaching a child this they never have that sort of uh studying Ugh. Right. They don't. They don't get that whole conversation going on in their head that school stinks, uh, right. institutionalized learning just bites. Uh, you know, and I had I, I hated things like that. Me but, too. I never once studied for a test. Never once. You know, I didn't want to read a book when I was in high school. I just didn't want to do that. Nope. I didn't read books either. Except for Clan of the Cave Bear. I did, however, read <laughs> that, that series. Oh, well, there was <laughs> sex in that, right? Was well, probably what it was. Yeah, between cavemen. <laughs> the um. You know, but then after uh, after school, I became a voracious reader. Mm-hmm. I, I read every day. I read at least a half an hour to an hour, oh, sometimes yeah. more, every single day. And that's not counting what I read on the internet. Sure, I that's love learning out things. Of books. I love learning things I'm interested in. But in government school, I'm not interested in the things they're trying to to force down my throat. Now, I think I would uh, make a special effort to uh, teach my kid uh, addition and subtraction beyond... Uh, well, that's what I said, the basics. Well, you said, you t- you you said reading and, um, and communicating. Okay, whatever. Okay. The basic basics okay. would include addition uh, uh, and subtraction. That, that, well, I don't know that... You, you, addition and subtraction, sure. Multiplications, you know, things. these things are good. But beyond that, I'm really a, a sort of of the, of the same opinion that a person is going to specialize in life hopefully sure. they specialize in something they want to do you know i mean what i the little bit i know about earth science uh, <laughs> you know how, what kind of use is it uh, you know, to me julia Not much. I, the other night julia and i were talking about one of her co-workers uh, at work who is a really intelligent guy and he uh, he's good at saving uh, so he's managed to, uh, I don't know where he picked up the habit, uh, but he's good at... I, his mother is a loser, and right. he didn't want to be like her, basically. Okay, so it was just in contrast to her. So uh, he's a real intelligent guy, but he's in a position in life where he has no idea what it is he wants to do. And I said, isn't it sad that there are so many young people that are in that position? Because I think the statistics are something like the average college student changes his major three times before he actually settles on one. Right. And we also know that 90% of college kids don't college actually utilize their College kids do not major. know what they want to do. They take a sociology class and they say, oh, that sounds like fun. This is a fun class. I think I'd like to major in sociology. But my, what <laughs> I was suggesting, though, when we were talking about it was, isn't it sad that there are people who are 20 and 21 and 24 years old 
that they have no idea what they want to do with their lives. I think a, a, a huge part of that has to do with the fact that they spent 13 years of their life, and that's just, you know, K through 12. They spent 13 years of their life being force-fed a bunch of crap, and they weren't allowed to really follow their bliss. They weren't, ar- they weren't allowed to, uh, or encouraged, to figure out what it is that they want. They could have spent those 13 years trying different things and, and discovering they new did. ideas. They did make us take those tests that determined what we were going to be with their life. Mine was Baker. Yeah, I have... <laughs> I have no idea what uh, those those tests said for me. They were so long ago. And, they were and, awful, though. Everybody always hated the results. They were like, "I'm going to be a cop." Oh no. Well, you know, I I know I know that I've always been you know happy to talk to people and enjoy that. So I'm I, I don't know that they ever put salesman in there because salesman has this bad connotation. However, mm. it's been a great career for me. Uh, radio sales. I've done yeah. other kind of sales that really just sucked because I I enjoy radio and I'm into it. Uh, you know, I, th- I think you're right that people need to uh, to follow their bliss, as uh, whatever that means. Um, you know, sprinkle sage as they go. But <laughs> <laughs> it means do what you want. Yeah, right. And, and if you were al- if you were allowed to actually figure out what you want instead of being, you know, eight hours a day force-fed information that you don't necessarily it's have an interest trivia in. Trivia that they make you memorize. Sure, it is. And you can't possibly. Well, I actually went to school before I was. Of the Liberty Mindset, I went to school to be a government school teacher, and I went because I wanted to help people. I knew that there was so much wrong with our public school system, our government school system, and I really thought that I could do some some good things from the Mm. inside. I remember one time I was working alone with this girl in fourth grade who had some serious issues with um, this test that she couldn't pass. It was a science test. I was looking at the science test, and I couldn't answer a single question on it. It was fourth like, grade. what is the distance between the Earth and the sun? 93 I don't, million miles. I don't know. I don't care. If I ever needed to or wanted to know, I could go to Wikipedia and find out, I bet. Right. And, 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 and that's the really cool thing about uh, the, the, the Internet is it's like... The calculator for everything. Um, you know, I mean, they didn't want us to learn uh, to, to use calculators in school because they mm-hmm. wanted us oh, to... Oh, I bet they hate the Internet then. But, you know, the, the fact is, you ob- really don't need to know how to do... It's uh, certainly long, well, uh, long form, uh, you know, adding a whole bunch of numbers up together because... Well, you've got a calculator, and you don't need to know all this information because you've got Wikipedia. What you need to be able to do is think critically. Yeah, and understand how to find the information if you need it. And I don't think school teaches you those It doesn't teach it. And I actually told the girl that. I said, look, the truth is you do not need to know this information. I don't know this information. (laughs) Um, It's not going to get you anywhere in life. The sole purpose for you learning this information is so that you can pass this test, get good grades, and move on. So do whatever you can to remember these facts for the next two days, mm. and that is it. And I taught her mnemonic devices, and we came up with like cute little games to so that she could memorize the facts solely. Such so a she waste could, of time! It it's was. such a colossal waste. These kids could be be looking into the things that are interesting to them, and from that, discovering what it is they want to do. Well, so by the time they're thirteen or fourteen, they've got a college level, you know, education in what they're interested in, and they can go and pursue whatever it is they want in life. The saddest part. Of about it was how bad she felt about herself because since she didn't pass the test she's obviously a loser right. you know what i mean and they make the kids well, that feel was a, that was what was, was going re- on with your friend uh your your uh, your your coworker he's he quit college and now everyone's coming down on him right so he just stopped telling people he quit college and and it 
really irks me because some people will say, oh, well, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, you're going to be a loser. But this guy has more money in his bank account at 22 than any of these other kids in college. In my opinion, that says he's on the road to success as soon as he figures out what he wants to do. But if he believed what they were saying. And he doesn't. Thank goodness. But if he, if he did, then he might, you know, get all, you know. Dis- oh, it, I'm going to be d- a loser. Right. Panera Down in the, the dumps. And That's the best full of part. Is he was able to save all this money with a nine dollar an hour job. And and you know I've I've said it many 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 times. It's not what you make. It's what you spend. And so true. If you can hold on to that money as much as you can hold on to it, the crap that you buy is likely to be gone or useless or unwanted very very shortly after you purchase it. That's just how these things go. So. You know, experiences can't be taken away from you, and I, I, I'm I, for experiences. The $2,000 I spent to drive around the United States in a van in 1998, which now gas is four times that, so figure 8000 um, was I, I feel like I, I got every penny out of that. I saw mm. so many things and did so much stuff in three months, but so, ma- so, much, so many other $2,000 allotments out there, poof, gone, useless. So yep. to the homeschoolers, I say, just say no to being regulated by these government rules if you ever want to keep control over your kids' education. We'll see you tomorrow night online at freetalklive.com. The cynic says, I started losing my hair and there was nothing I could do. I wore a baseball cap because I was self-conscious. The believer says, I started using Abacore two months ago, and already I'm regrowing my own hair. My bald spot is going. No caps for me. Are you a cynic? Abacore's formula is FDA approved to regrow your own hair in as little as two months. Abacore's topical formula contains the only ingredient approved by the FDA to regrow hair without risk of sexual side effect. Call right now and ask about getting a free month supply of Abacore and receive boost just for trying Abacore. Boost can make your hair visibly thicker with its first application. Call 1-800-451-8920. That's 1-800-451-8920. This is a limited time offer, so call now. Call 1-800-451-8920. 1-800-451-8920. Or log on to avacorradio.com.